Happy New Year. Darren, I think you invoked the spirit. So I thank you for that. Recently, I came across a list I had made titled 40 Before 40. I had actually forgotten about this list until I found it, and then I remembered writing it. It's very fancy. It's written on a napkin, because I was at a restaurant. It was over 10 years ago. It was in the early days of Neil and I dating. So I'm sure it was one of those great ideas that I had of, hey, what are the things you want to accomplish before we turn 40? After I reviewed the list, I rolled my eyes, not for the first time, because you see, I have a borderline hoarding habit. And then I finally had the three R's, regret, resentment, and remorse. I read over the list again, the mixed emotions was too much, so I folded it up and put it back in the box that I had pulled it out of. What's so new about a new year? We entered the year 2020 with a lot of dreams, a lot of hopes, tons of curiosity, wonderings, and then the world stopped, sort of. Then we entered 2021. We knew that a vaccine was coming for everybody. It would mean an end to no more masks, no more caution, no more 2020, and then. So here we are, day two of 2022. Already we know of businesses closing their doors, gatherings being canceled, flights not taking off, COVID cases rising, and the do we or don't we dance continues. So what are we hoping for? What are we dreaming about? And the question I have is, do we dare hope and dream? On this Epiphany Sunday, we have the very familiar story of the Magi and a psalm that might feel trite. Blessings, praises, is that even possible when we continue to trudge through a global pandemic? Is there anything we can gain from reading these texts? And who decided that there are two passages that could not be more different and they could have anything to offer us? But after all, we're here, so we might as well give it a try. In the fall of 2014, the Huffington Post gave a list that they titled, Eight Epiphanies Everyone Should Have. Here was their list. You aren't what people say you are. Plan B is often better than plan A. You are not the number on the scale. The journey is more important than the goal. Being alone doesn't mean you will be lonely. It will never all be done. Emotional pain shows up to show us what we need to change. You don't have to find your purpose. It will find you. As a person who is goal-oriented, driven, and believe myself to be self-aware, at first glance, I like this list. It sounds good. 
It sounds like it maybe should be printed on a napkin, posted to my bathroom mirror, read every day. And yet, are these the kind of epiphanies that we really should have? When taking a first read, a first glance at Psalm 67, it might seem that there's nothing special about it. But let's take a closer look. The psalm is a callback to Moses' words to Aaron, but with a twist. To Aaron and his family, the words were, May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you. In Psalm 67, we see a shift from you to us. The writer calls out to God and then to the people. In Psalm 67, we see a universal call, a universal call for praise and blessing. This is not just for some, but for all. And I know immediately we can say, but where are God's blessings for the fill-in-the-blank people? For this, I want to share a musing that Ellen Davis wrote. She says, In the church of all nations outside the Garden of Gethsemane, there is a sign that says, quote, No explanations in the church. While this sign is obviously directed at tour guides, giving them clear instructions on how they are to behave once they enter, Davis offers us these words. We'd all do well to heed no explanations in the church. We and the church have been baptized into the mystery of Christ. So as long as we attend to God with every heartbeat, we are drawn more deeply into a mystery that infinitely exceeds our understanding, a mystery of mercy that goes beyond even our wildest hopes and imaginings. So no explanations in the church. Isn't that a part of this idea of epiphany? Merriam-Webster says that an epiphany is a moment in which you suddenly see or understand something in a new or very clear way. This call to God and the call to the people, all the people is simply a call. It's a realization that the new way is a way for all to be included, not just some. Psalm 67 moves away from the idea that God will only bless certain people, the covenantal people. Rather, God's blessing is for all. Now, we are Myers Park Baptist Church, so before we start getting all worked up here and begin pointing out all the ways that we see this not happening, let's take a breath and hear these words from scholar Michael Livingston. He says, there are glaring inequities in the conditions of nations and peoples. But this psalm encourages us to reaffirm our common humanity and to seek justice and a decent life for all in thanksgiving to a God whose face shines upon us all. That is the epiphany I want to have. 
a reaffirmation of my shared humanity, my shared call to seek justice, justice that's for all. Isn't that way more powerful, way more Christ-like than accepting we're more than just a number on a scale? I wonder if Archbishop Tutu had Psalm 67 on his mind when he said these words, we are made for goodness, we are made for love, we are made for friendliness, we are made for togetherness, we are made for all of the beautiful things that you and I know. We are made to tell the world there are no outsiders. All are welcome, black, red, white, yellow, rich, poor, educated, not educated, male, female, gay, straight, all, all, all. We all belong to this family, this human family, God's family. God's family. And in Psalm 67, we see that a part of God's family is the very ground, the very earth we walk on. In Psalm 67, we see a reminder that the earth has given forth an increase, an abundance, lots. And when it seems that we can find struggle to praise God, it's in this creation, this abundance, that we can offer praise. Praise for the rain and for the sun. Praise for the turtles and for the cardinals. Praise for the empty branches that will bear new life. Praise for the stars that are numerous and unifying. After all, it was a star that began a new unification in the world. When asked to tell 10 Bible stories that you know, if I were to quiz you, you and I would both list the coming of the Magi. It's a story we can recite by heart. We know the antagonist, we know the protagonist, we know the plot, we know the gifts, and we know that we have no idea what happened to these visitors or the gifts they brought after they left Nazareth. But does that even matter? We know that they had a directive from the king to go back and tell what they learned. And then through a dream, they defied the king. Defied the king. And I think it's not just the king who they decided to defy. When they decided to follow the star, there were probably a lot of assumptions. Assumptions about the family, their status, the location of their house. These magi probably thought there would be a lot of people there, a big celebration. And perhaps they also imagined they would receive a very big fanfare when they arrived. Instead, they entered a Jewish house, one that was not ornate or splendid. It was pretty basic. They encountered a young mother and a toddler. Gifts to this family? Were they deserving? Were they that special? 
Those questions, again, don't even matter. What matters is that these magi made a decision to follow and to act. So let's get back to us just for a moment, all of us. This is the time of year where you may start searching for ways to change your life, simplify your life, bring meaning to your life. And yes, I do it too. But the truth is we spend so much time researching and reading and making vision boards and journaling that we're just too tired to actually do it. We discover that that new piece of cookware, a daily ritual, a new workout routine, a new eating plan, the list just keeps going and going. It's just too much. So we give up. In the Magi, we see people who acted. They did not just look at that star, they decided to follow it. Theirs was not narrowed by agendas or expectations. They were curious. I'm sure they were tired. I'm sure there were moments when they said, oh, good grief, we just keep following and we're getting nowhere. And then they got back up and kept going, following what they knew to follow with no explanation, no plan, maybe not even sure what the goal was. What would happen if we did that? If you'll allow me for just a moment, let's go back to the psalm. What would happen if we changed the word praise to follow? May God be merciful to us and bless us. Show us the light of her countenance and come to us. Let your ways be known upon the earth, your saving health among all nations. Let the people follow you, O God. Let all the peoples follow you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide all the nations upon earth. Let the peoples follow you, O God. Let all the peoples follow you. The earth has brought forth her increase. May God, our own God, give us her blessing. May God give us her blessing, and may all the ends of the earth stand in awe of her. We follow God even when it's hard, when it's uncomfortable, when it's risky. We follow God when we don't want to, when it seems pointless and tiresome. We follow God even when we may not know where that will take us. So we recall the words of Dr. King, take the first steps in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. So maybe there is one good epiphany from the Huffington Post list. The journey is more important than the goal. The Magi were not sure what they would encounter, but they went anyway. God's face shines on us even when we may not feel it. When I think back to that 40 before 40 list, there are three other R's that come to mind. Realization, responding, realignment. I'm not the same 
as I was when I made that list. I was chasing after things that I thought would be worthy to attain, worthy to achieve, worthy to experience and accomplish. My epiphany was that my chasing, my following needs to be after God's dream for all of God's children, a kingdom where we can bring it all together in love and in peace. So maybe instead of wondering what the new year will bring, we just follow God. We live into the unknown. We live into the mystery. We live and we follow. We get back to rebuilding community, even if it is not the way that we want it. The goal, the priority, is a method that ties God's universal blessing with our call to praise our call to follow. We need to ask questions and not make assumptions. In 2007, the town of Greensburg, Kansas, population around 1,000, was devastated by an EF5 tornado. Around 95% of the buildings in the town were destroyed. These included homes, streets, among the buildings that were gone were several public spaces, the hospital and many schools. When the town began to talk about how to rebuild, they made a decision to have all the city buildings built into leadership and energy and environmental design standards. Over time, this investment saved the town around $200,000 in fuel and energy costs. This occurred in a place where green energy was viewed very suspiciously by many of its residents. But through conversation, questions, the changes occurred. And now Greensburg is a city that helps other communities learn how to both rebuild after a natural disaster, help the environment, and have the entire community at its center. The community looked beyond their immediate needs and interests, their own understanding, and they made changes and decisions that would have an impact for years to come. And while we as a church, as a community, have not experienced a tornado, we do find ourselves in a place of rebuilding. Like the residents of Greensburg, we will not all agree on how to do this. Some will say, let's get back to the way it was, whenever was, was. And others will say, it has to all be new. Nothing can be the same. And still others will say, um, have you heard how that place down the street is doing it? And all of us can say, we are tired of masks and we are tired of Zoom and takeout and meal planning and cooking and whatever else you are tired of. But what would happen if, like the residents of Greensburg, we asked, what is the best thing for our community? Not just our individual interests. What will get us back to being community in ways that meet us where we are and that invites others, all others, to meet us there too? So what's so new about a new year? 
What if this year we defy the expectations set by the world? Maybe even the expectations of our own interests. We look beyond the six feet around us safely and we get curious. We embrace the mystery. We embrace the unknown. And we follow that proverbial star to see where it might lead us. Amen.